Oh, oh, yeah. People really sent through the questions at the last minute. Any I have not been able to look through them yet. Any trivia questions about trivia? who was the 10th Prime Minister of Australia? Or? Oh, not quite. Not quite. They're all really, really deep questions. <laughs> oh, oh no. I don't know which one to go for. There we go. The first one is test. Thank you for testing the system. <laughs> you have been tested and received. Thank you very much much i'm just gonna see if there's any flyers <laughs> i just juggled two phones at the same time here Can we go no that's fine i've got this <laughs> i'm sure i've got this yeah. all right now i really love that there were certain themes that appeared in um, both of the conversations and talks and um one of the things that i i I, uh, I heard a fair bit about was the using of the word catastrophizing now catastrophizing to me sounds like a bomb has gone off and everyone has died now, I understand that catastrophizing our thoughts doesn't look like a bomb has gone off in our head and our brain is bleeding. Um, so, and, 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 and it might be a catastrophized thought, but I think many of us don't recognize when we've had a catastrophizing moment. I don't even know if I'm using the word right. <laughs> but how do we pick up when there's a thought that has gone perhaps towards that root of catastrophizing? How do we pick up that, no, that's not just good sense. That's not just being wise. That's not just um, being cautious. That's actually catastrophizing. Can either of you speak into that, or both of you speak into that for a moment? Yeah, look, I'm happy to discuss that. So <clears throat> usually where your response is just totally irrational or disproportionate, so where it really makes no logical or rational sense or something relatively minor results in a huge response of stress for you. So you might have a child who comes home and says, oh, this friend doesn't want to play with me anymore. I'm never going to be friends with them again. I'm never going to have any friends ever again for the rest of school. Now, we would look at that as an adult and think that's just irrational, like you'll have friends, yeah. um, you, you'll work through this. But there are things where we as adults are just as irrational and disproportionate. So we'll start thinking things that are not realistic that's going to happen, or we'll have a really small issue that would cause some sort of stress, but this totally over-the-top response to that. So that's usually the things that I would identify as disproportionate and just really irrational and not logical. Mm. But when you're in the moment and it's going around in your mind, it's very hard mm. to determine that sometimes. Yeah. That's why voicing it with someone else is a very good way yeah. of someone shining a light and reflecting back to you to say, hold on, that doesn't make a lot of sense here. Let's just think about this rationally. Mm. Um, but in our own mind, it's very hard to be rational when the thought has got a long way away from us. Mm. Ali, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I'm um, with catastrophizing too and what um, Adrian was saying about the thought going around and round. That <gasps> creates um, um, rumination. rumination. That's it, rumination. And you need that circuit breaker by speaking about it to, 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 to bring that. And one of the indicators that you would feel in your body for um, catastrophizing thoughts is that sense of overwhelmingness. Right. That would come and that, that sense of you can't think of anything else that is so present in your mind that that is actually all you're thinking about. Mm. Fantastic. So just to build on that, if we want to help someone, um, you know, we're talking about community and support and, and listening to one another. If we pick up that someone has a catastrophizing um, pattern, I would kind of see it as if I'm letting them know about that, they sometimes can 
bite my head off mm-hmm. because <laughs> they're like, no, but this is the reality and this is how the world works. And, and if you stop me from thinking like that, you know, things are going to go bad. How do we as a community come alongside people that might be catastrophizing? For me, in my, in my workplace, the first thing I would do is acknowledge them. Mm. No matter how extreme the thought process or the conversation appears for them, acknowledge them and acknowledge what they're saying because right. it's very real for them in that moment. Acknowledge everything that that thought process what, what embraces. What does it actually look like, acknowledgement? So acknowledgement would be, I can see that this is at the moment very important to you mm. and that you're focusing a lot of your time on this issue for you. Right. And I acknowledge that um, it's consuming and mm. the pain that it's creating and the confusion that it may be creating for yourself. Mm. So acknowledging that's the first point that I would do. And then the second element that I would add to that is, well, let's talk about why it has that huge impact on you. Mm. So that's a form of confrontation. Right. So, so what does that look like? Um, Why has that triggered in you such a response Mm. of such grandiose Mm. expectation? And then the third thing I would work with them is resolution. So now you've acknowledged, you've confronted what's actually going on and then you walk towards resolution and that would look like, what does the resolution look like for you? Mm. Because it's not about us, it's about the person that's in front of us and because we're individually and uniquely made, Mm. we all have different understandings, expectations. So speaking with them about... What does resolution look like for you? And let's and is it now a time or a place that you want to move into that resolutionary stage or not? Yeah. Yeah, I think quite similar lines to that. Certainly if I'm talking to someone who is experiencing anxiety, depression and, and is catastrophizing things in their mind. So I have a classic example, I'd have men who'd say to me, Look, I'm just re- really feeling down, being quite anxious about things, and I think I'm just you know, letting my wife down and letting my kids down. I'm, th- I'm not going to be a very good dad or a very good husband and this is just what mm. my life's going to be like. Instead right. of me saying, gee, you're being really over the top. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I'll say, very, as Ellie said, so look, yeah, I'm really feeling for you to hear that. But then mm. I will reflect back and ask questions. I'll say, okay, so you've been feeling down for the last four or five weeks because this has been going on. Mm. And how's that making you feel? And then and so I say, so, so you think because of that, it means that for the next 20 years you won't be a right. good father. Let's, let's talk about that. Why, how do you make that jump? And then I'll say, yeah, okay. but isn't it the case that you do this with your kids and mm. your kids really like this? So I'm just, I'm just, can you help me understand why mm. you believe that when this is what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to solve them. I'm just politely inquiring and saying, but yeah. you know, you've got all these things doing, you know, you've got some strategies mm. to go over that. And as Alice said, so... If, if you're thinking about that, couldn't you do this as a mm. way around it? So I'm not yeah. trying to solve it or be a psychologist, but mm. often just reflecting back to someone and asking questions yeah. and saying, oh, so you, you think this is... A, then it assists people to work mm. through in their own mind because absolutely saying to someone, oh, look, you're being ridiculous, you know, mm. pull your head in. <laughs> That's not going to be effective for anyone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. On, on our own uh, responsibility, uh, I'm hearing a lot about self-awareness, whether it's you know, examining and evaluating, you know, how am I self-caring or, or my thought processes? How do we develop greater self-awareness? Are there any practical tips you can give us? I think the fact that you have brought it to your attention, your awareness increases every day. And so the fact that you're having these scenarios and, you know, things like Blue Tree 
and those visual triggers that we have in our communities, um, the Are You OK Days, even though they're only once a year, but they're there f- to create the normalcy of our awareness for self. Yeah. And, um, and the biggest question you can ask yourself is, am I OK? And then ask, are you OK? And be reflective on that. But it starts with your awareness and in an intentional. It's a, it's an intention yeah. that you work with. Yeah. And um, I think for some people, um, if so I think myself, I'm fairly aware and I talk very openly with my wife about you know, my own how I'm feeling. But for some people, they need to literally log on to um, an app. Like there's lots of apps where you might think, well, I'm at the point I need to start this. So every day I'm going to get an app sent to me. And I'm going to say, you know, 10 questions. How am I feeling? A score out of 10. Because that's what I need to do Mm. to be really aware. And then I can look at it over three months and say... Because some people, literally, they will say... You know, they don't realise they've been down for six or nine months. They've just mm. got really low awareness. And that's okay. Yeah. They just need to start at a point. So yeah. I would encourage for those here today who have no idea where to start, there are lots of online apps where it sends you a questionnaire every day and you can answer it and that's a way of prompting mm. you to... I can't... I need yeah. to stop. At nine o'clock every day, I get this app sent to me and I have to stop and think, how, how am I feeling today? Mm. How was my sleep last night? Well, how has my nutrition been? Am I feeling right. down? Am I feeling happy? Mm. So that's... For some people, the most appropriate thing. Yeah. So you just go to Google and go self-awareness app. Um, look, I'll, I'll, when I get into work tomorrow, I'll send I'll send yeah, some great. things through you. There are lots and lots fantastic. of things out there. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I think that we had a couple of people uh, address this issue in different ways, but you know, maybe the young families, FIFO workers, but people that are away from community. And we've talked a lot about community friendships being really important for people that have a lifestyle for whatever reason that takes them away from community, what are some ways, practical ways, that they could start to, or, or find, find that, to, to build that community even though they might be, you know, they've got a two year, a two month old bub that, that you know, requires oldest time or, or FIFO, or you're away from family as well. Any tips and ideas on that? Um, because you may be physically away from your family doesn't mean you can, you're disconnected. And with FIFO workers, particularly with small children, um, I encourage them still to have family dinner night. Put the laptop on, Skype in, Zoom in, have your face there. Because what happens particularly with FIFO workers is that when they come home, they haven't got the history of the two weeks away of conversations. Mm. And so they're trying to jump into the family conversations, right. yet they're feeling like their sense of belonging has been, mm. has been displaced. So if they're there at the dinner table, even though it's on the laptop mm. or in the bathroom when you're bathing the, the lilies, um, having them there, still having them present, they're still hearing dad's voice, they can still the, see the activities in the home. That's one of the things because it, it, it bridges that, it narrows the bridge of that gap mm. for when they do come back into the family home. Yeah. And so FIFO families are in a constant element of change. So when with a FIFO family, you have the family over here and everyone's doing what they need to do for the benefit of the family, whoever's the caregiver at home and running the household and the FIFO worker going away. Mm. And every time that <coughs> FIFO worker comes back to the home, they're piercing each other's bubbles. And that constant change is happening. And then again, it happens after the R&R the R time. And it's constantly doing this reconnection. And that's a, a really a real and difficult thing that is, is, element, uh, is present and that affects the sense of belonging is because they no longer feel they belong in the family. And yeah. it's the familiarity. I think also um, 
people often say I don't have time, and um, it's all, it's interesting if we look at screen time, for example, when we say mm. we don't have time, it's a challenge for us to think how we're spending our time. Mm. But we need to be really planned in what we do. So the way that works in my family, my wife goes to the gym and has like a you know functional fitness gym and has friends there. And we know on our calendar, I can tell you over the next month, because my hours are quite long and kind of lots of nights out with work. So, but I know I will be training on this Tuesday, four o'clock, I'll be training the under 10s teams and then I'll do my training after that. I can tell you which days I'll be going swimming and which days my wife will go to the gym. For us, that that's what is really important. And I know that I'll come Thursday night during winter mm. and I'll go and play indoor cricket every Thursday. Even if I'm feeling worn out, I just get up and do it. Now, it's totally different things for other people that of what's important for your mental health. But the thing is, unless you're planned, right. and for our family it works having it written up on the calendar, but you need to say, if this is what you need, mm. if it's walking or a community group, you need to have a plan and say, I'm working my week around, I'm going to be there. Because yeah. if you just leave it to chance, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, It's that intention. Yeah. yeah. What, what if people have this sense of, like, I want to do that, but I really really can't afford to for whatever reason um, that's something that I've come across where people's like you know I want to be better at you know being involved in church for example uh, but right now you know I've got all of these things that I need to do um, and, and I really want to but I can't so there's this this idea of can't involved in the in the thought process any tips on maybe getting around that I mean we are really good at putting up barriers and um yeah, it, it's hard, you know, without knowing the specifics of people, but mm. I hear so many barriers of people, well, I can't do this, and, you know, well, I can't go and do further study now. Like, with mm. Ali's story, I'm sure when you had kids, lots of people would say, well, I can't do study, I've got kids. I mean, I've, it'd be hectic looking after kids, but it, I, I think a lot of it's a, a, a frame of mind, and, and mm. it's often a barrier people put up, say, oh, well, I can't do that, because some people are really afa afraid of failing. So the easiest yeah. thing is say, well, it's not possible for me to do that because it's just too busy or I can't mm. possibly do that because you don't have to try, then you can't fail if you haven't tried. Mm. So uh, that's what I often think is it's a lot of barriers because I know other people who recklessly take things on. You know, I just think, <laughs> oh, I can do that. I can do that. I'll just keep trying all sorts of things and I'll, yeah. um, a lot of it is a mindset. So often when people I talk to say, look, I can't do that, I'll say, okay, let's talk about that. What, what is it exactly? So what would it look like? Because often we need to look for a way in rather than a way out. So it's a lot easier to say, that's oh, really good. I can't do this because of this mm. and this. Mm. So that's what I often right. say to people is to say, so you're looking for a way out. Let's mm. look for a way in. And it's, I'm not asking them to commit straight away. I'm just saying, yeah. you're telling me what it looks like with you not doing it. Let's just talk about what it would look like you doing it. And you don't have to commit yeah. to it, but say, well, this is what it could look like. Yep. But often people just shut it out. I'm just looking for a way out. Too busy, can't do it, too hard. Yep. Oh, three years' time, I'll do that. Five years' time, I'll mm. do that. That's never going to come. Yeah. So it almost is kind of helping them to process yes. because they don't maybe naturally mm. process. They already see the barriers. Mm. I guess all of us see barriers really easily. So it's kind of getting past that by kind of taking a different point of view without the commitment at the start and then working through that. I would talk to them about the importance of it as well because mm. our lives are like real estate. Sometimes we need to vacate some of our properties to create space. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and if it's really, important, it's, really, you, it's really important to you, it's amazing how quickly we can create vacancies. Mm. 
So, but also, when if it's not important to them, release some of that. Mm. That's okay that it's not important to you because that could change. Yeah, yeah. Now, a bit of a fun question. Someone was saying that retail therapy is their self-care method. Absolutely. Um, how do you know that that's not going to become <laughs> another addiction? How do you make sure you don't get to that place? I'm speaking on behalf of all husbands out there. <laughs> I, I, w- I would put retail therapy as self-comfort. <laughs> so that's what I would do. But I, I suppose anything that causes harm to self and to others is and something that you don't have control over, mm. something that is a driver, that you, is a compulsion. Yeah is an addiction in, in a sense. But if you know you're going out, I used to, with two of my girlfriends, it was almost a little bit of a game. We'd take $100 out. Who could buy the most stuff of the stuff we need? And who came home with the most bags? And it was just, we went out with a list of what we needed first. That was the key thing. There was no wants in there. So, and we, and we made a day of it and it was fun. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's the compulsion and the lack of ability to manage it and the overwhelmingness and the driver that it is in your life. I think there is a certain sense, and maybe that's what our culture tells us, but sometimes it feels like self-care can look really expensive. Um, is that the case? Sitting in silence is free. <laughs> Looking at nature is free. Um, listening to music depends on your, for- your forum in which you're doing it is, is free. And we all eat, so it's what you're eating. Um, yes, it can be expensive if you chose um, expensive items for your self-care, but it doesn't have to be. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it's just stepping out of the stress and the pressure. Mm. So for me, I might just go, I live in Kalamunda and there's lots of mountain bike trails and I might just finish work slightly early and just go for a ride for an hour or so just by myself. And for me, getting mm. out into nature is really important. I know yeah. that that's a really common thing for lots of people and living in, in Kalamunda is quite convenient for me, but it doesn't cost me anything mm. to go for a ride two k's from my house just in the bushland and yeah. and I re-energise and revitalise all that. So I think mm. there's lots of ways that are, don't yeah. cost anything. It's just about, I think, what, what Ali mentioned, sometimes people feel it's selfish because I've you know, I've got a busy job and three kids and lots of things, and I feel like I'm being selfish by saying, no, I'm just mm. going to spend two hours by myself with my yeah. phone switched off, but I need to prioritise myself. And there's nothing wrong with putting yourself first for a while to say, I need... Because I'm no good to anybody if I'm totally stressed out and not in a good space. Mm. What happens for people with self-care and they stress out about self-care? <laughs> It can be overwhelming. Seriously, it can be overwhelming because it is something that we're all made aware of. And we all know when we've had a really bad eating day, we've eaten too much or too often or whatever because we we feel poorly in our bodies. Mm. Um, And we all know when we're not exercising as we should, we all feel that in our bodies. And it can stress us out, but that's the whole thing about self-care. It is a journey and it is malleable, it's changeable, and you never arrive. Mm. All right, well, our time's nearly up. So can I just get both of you to give one last tip? You know, you've, we've heard the conversations, um, you've been a part of this morning. What is one quick tip that you give to all of us for boosting our mental health? Uh, probably the one I'd say is a really important one is in churches is often for us to think if I'm experiencing mental health and it hasn't you know, been healed, um, it's a lack of faith. And that is not the case at all. Paul was in prison and he said, this would be my deliverance. He didn't leave the prison. He was tortured. He died. But for him, and when you look at the Greek writings of it, his deliverance was 
in his trial and struggle, as Shane Willard says, keeping his hands clean, his heart pure and his yeah. head held high. Yeah. And just because Christ says he'll deliver us of things doesn't mean he'll solve things and take things away. Mm. And I would really encourage people in that if someone has arthritis or, as I said before, like diabetes, no one would say, well, that's a lack of faith. But for some reason in Christian circles, we think, well, if I'm experiencing mental health, it's because I've got unaddressed sin or I don't have enough faith or I'm not living a good enough life. That is not the case at all that does not is not supported in any scripture whatsoever so i'd really encourage you that if you are experiencing difficulties of mental stress mental distress that's normal like it's it's a common human experience and you could be living with mental health issues your whole life and that is no reflection whatsoever in the amount of faith you have or the life you are leading or you know, it's not a lack of prayer and fasting because, you know, you're living with depression. Yeah. It's just a fact of life. It's just what you may be experiencing. Mm. Mine would be be kind to yourself and to others, always. Fantastic. Why don't we thank our two guests this morning? I hope that you really enjoyed it. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.